its path in just a few moments. But enough to say that that path is huge in many, many, many different ways. The path. I, I want to take uh, two texts, no, actually three. And I know you know, well, two of them I know you know well. But I, I want to put them together for you. So let's go ahead and get started in this. And taking a look at Psalm 3, verses 1 and 2. O Lord, how my adversaries have increased. Many are rising up against me. Many are saying of my soul, there is no deliverance for him in God. Can you imagine? Psalm 23, verse 3 says this. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Hmm. In, 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 the, in the middle of, of those verses here, in, in, and I can see right now I did not include it in your notes, but it should be on the screen here in just a second. This is right in the middle of where those psalms were written, you'll find in 2 Samuel chapter 16. You, you realize that when David wrote psalms, he, he didn't just <laughs> sit down and observe the humming bee coming along and said, oh, I think I'll write a psalm. No, he, see, all the psalms were birthed out of some history that David is going through. So, there's, 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 there's more than, than these two that we just read, but they were written around this episode that takes place in 2 Samuel and 16. It, it says this. It says, The king and all the people who were with him arrived weary, and he refreshed himself there. The king and all of his people arrived or, uh, uh, were with him, arrived, how? Weary. Weary. Take a look at your neighbor. How weary do they look? <laughs> they reached Ravenna Assembly of God. Weary. But here's the point. Notice how it says this. And he refreshed himself there. So what's this all about? That, that's the kicker. I can tell you right now that it's about the rebellion of Absalom. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. He was, he was one of the favorite sons of David, <laughs> at least in his heart. Let's put it that way. And, and Absalom rises up to kill his father and to take his place. And when David hears about it, he flees the city. And as he enters over the mountains, and down into the wilderness, that's when he wrote those psalms. So why did that happen? I mean, why does a son rise up to try and kill his father and take everything he's got? Well, it started really, if, if you want to get right down to the history of some things here, it, it started about three to five years before this. And that's, that's really where it happened. It started with Bathsheba. And, and after, it's, like I said, it's really where it begins. But after that, he had, had happened with David. There, well, there's an unrest in David's family. Okay? There's just, this happens. The family's going, but, but also, not just for the family, but you got to think about all the other people as well in Jerusalem because you, you can't keep this thing a secret, what's happened between David and Bathsheba. It, just, it doesn't happen. Everybody's now looking at David. And, and, and I mean, they're here, and, and the man who's been their king for such a long time, this has happened, and as a result, they're, they're confused. I mean... They, they don't know what to do with, with what's gone on and what's happened. Everybody's talking, but no one knows where it's going to go as a result. And again, this is about five years before this. But at the same time, again, uh, David has what I'll call a very difficult family. 
Uh, all right? There's more than one wife. There's a lot of kids. It's, it's a mixed family. Absalom is in one family, okay? And he has a sister whose name is Tamar. Now, in another family, there was a, a man whose name was Amnon. And Amnon had this, this, this lustful drive for Tamar. And one of the nephews of David got involved in it, and, and well, it's a complicated story. I won't get into all that, but the net, the net result was that Amnon raped Tamar. And, and, and she goes out after that hideous act. And, 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 and even though he had longed for her, when it's all over, he what? Hates her. And he throws her out and locks the door. And as she's standing there, Absalom asks her, what's going on? And she tells him. And how, how did he respond? He says, by saying, oh, just, well, okay, calm, calm down. Let's talk. Let's keep this thing quiet. And she realizes that, that David as well, her her dad is very angry, but he does nothing about it. So everybody is, is supposed to close your eyes and, 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 and keep your mouth shut and just keep things on the down low. And Abdul, Absalom ends up saying, you know, I'll get even. That was my sister. And if my father doesn't do something, I'll do something. And that was Absalom. Of course, David didn't do anything for Tamar. Absalom did nothing. So what she does is she rips her, her what's known as a virgin princess gown and said, I can no longer wear this. And she goes, and, and, and that disrupts the whole family at this point. With what's happened to Tamar, they all know about it. And again, nothing happened. She's gone. And I don't know where she went because I can honestly tell you she doesn't turn up anymore in the scriptures and stuff. But Absalom lives watching Amnon. Absalom will end up down the road here putting on what I'll call a pretend peace. And he gets Amnon to go. And Am Absalom then orders his servants to kill Amnon. And so now, there's been a rape in the family. Now it's murder in the family. Absalom realizes that his father will have to respond to this. So he flees for his life and goes out into exile. Hmm. Long story in there, trust me. But eventually... David will say to Absalom, come home. But still won't talk with him. Yet, David loves Absalom. And he keeps saying that over and over again. And there's this uneasy peace, not only just in the family, but throughout Jerusalem. And the people in Jerusalem, I mean... Remember, they're the king's fans to begin with. They're all watching him because, truthfully, nothing's being done in secret. So finally, David talks to Absalom. Absalom takes the opportunity now to, well, let's put it this way. When you had an issue or a problem, people at that time would go to the king who was the high court. And the decision would be made by the king as to who was winner and who was loser. So when they went to the king and they had a bad judgment, Absalom would go to them and say, oh, Poor thing, if I were king, that would have never happened. Not with me, I'll tell you that. And, and, and so gradually what's happening is he's winning the hearts of all the people. David's getting old. And in the eyes of the people, the man has had too many iffies about his life recently. 
That's when Absalom determined that he was going to overthrow David and become king. Um, there's another person in this story as well. As if, you know, all that's not enough. There's a man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel. Say that with me. Ahithophel. It's not as Spanish as this. It's a falafel. This is Ahithophel. He was David's best friend. He was his closest advisor. He knew David like nobody else knew David. I mean, he 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 was the he had the title friend of the king. In essence, where others, you know, had to wait for an audience or for the king to rank before they could come into his presence, Ahithophel would just walk right in. I mean, he'd open up the door of the house and walk into the living room. I'm here, you know, kind of thing. He had access. He knew David. He he knew everything about David. He was the friend of the king. But remember, Ahithophel was a grandpa. He had a granddaughter. And you all know her name, right? Bathsheba. And when the whole thing goes down with Bathsheba, Ahithophel determined in his heart that he would kill David someday for doing this. So what does Ahithophel do? He fakes it. He fakes it. He's, he's, he's with, with David. And, oh, David is my best friend. Oh, he's such a good man. And all the time, he's planning how he can kill David. In fact, David would write in Psalm 53 when this was all over about this time. And David refers to this. Now, Ahithophel, when he learned that Absalom would be king, he runs off to Absalom. Now, he tells Absalom, he says, God, I know everything about David. I can lead you right to him any time of day or night. I, 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 can, I can take you to him. But, and here's what he said. He said, I want one thing in return, that when you find him, I get to kill him. You have this, this nest of bitterness hatred. The plan is, 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 is coming together. They're, they're ready to pounce on the palace. The news comes that Absalom has declared himself to be the king. That he's marching on Jerusalem. There's a lot of people that's joining and saying, David is not fit to be king anymore. And that's when David fled Jerusalem. He fled literally as a refugee. He leaves behind everything he had, everything that had literally taken him a lifetime to build up, lost, all gone. And he's running away. And, 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 and I can say that only a handful of people go with him. So he, he goes, and, and as he goes, he dresses in sackcloth. I don't know if you understand why, but that was the Hebrew way of saying, I'm going to a funeral. David is saying, I'm a dead man walking. I have lost everything. He was, he was being plunged, literally, into utter darkness. Let me tell you something about what happens when you get into utter darkness, friend. He forgets who he is, and he forgets who God is. You could say he's at the end of his rope. It's David hitting absolute bottom. He doesn't know where he's going, doesn't know what's happening. He's got fear all around him. And have you ever noticed that when it comes to fear, it always attacks on every side? He's, he's filled with shame, dressed for death. You can just take a look at him. His head's hanging down, deep depression. He's in despair. He's a mess. But you know, this is what happens. He's 
beginning to doubt the goodness of God. He's doubting. David is doubting. Friend, I don't know if you realize it, but he's a man. He's no different than you and me. I mean, can you begin to imagine? Because this, this is what happens when you reach these points. All these questions. I call them the if-onlys, right? They set in. If only I had done this. If only I, I wouldn't have stepped back. If only I had handled this a different way. If only I had done these things differently. If only, if only, if only. I'm in darkness. And now he's walking in condemnation. Shame. He's got this self-loathing thing going on. And he's beginning to feel that even God has turned his back on him. Friend, I mean, he's at such a place as they're riding together out of town. There's, there's a guy that comes along. He's, he's actually Saul's relative from, from way back when Saul was along the roadside. And this guy is just cursing and throwing these stones at David all over the place. And David's guards around him, you know, they, they get up and they're going to do, they're going to take care of this dude. And David says, no, no, maybe God told him to throw stones at me. What? David? He's in a mess, friend. And he's actually believing that God is telling people to do what they're doing. Many of us have reached that point in our lives, that, that place. The way you think about God when you're in this situation, just as David did. It's like you can hear God say, you know, oh boy, he's messed up my plans for his life. I have, I, 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 I have plans for him, but he's messed up every plan I've had. Have you ever realized that, yeah, David was a mess, but he was still God's mess. It's true. Whenever you find yourself, wherever, you do realize that God gave these psalms that David wrote at that time, right? In that, God is not mad at David. He's bringing David to triumph. You might say David is, is one big, beautiful mess. You realize, do you remember what Philippians 1 says here? It says, for I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hear that. Okay, Psalm 23. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He restores my soul. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to be giving you a number of points. I hope you, I hope you write them down. Number one is that the shepherd is not shaped by the mistakes and the wandering of the sheep. The shepherd is not shaped by the mistakes and the wandering of the sheep. Hello, somebody. Now, now try this next one on. I want you to think about this. Really think about this. That he is who he says he is. He does not change. He is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forevermore. But the next one is that the shepherd doesn't change his attitude toward the sheep because they do something stupid. I know maybe some of you don't like the word stupid, but there's no other word to describe it. I don't know about you, but I do some stupid things. But he doesn't change his attitude toward the sheep. In fact, when the sheep does an unwise thing and goes wandering, you know what the shepherd says? I've lost my sheep. He claims ownership of the sheep's stupidity. 
I lost my sheep. Now understand that the, the, the shepherd has based his, his own commitment, his own faithfulness, his own righteousness. He, 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 based, he, he based this on, on who he is. The shepherd goes to care for the sheep because of who the shepherd is. I'll say it this way. God does not act in accord with our faithfulness. He acts in accord with his own being, his covenant faithfulness. Please hear that. You are not lost. God has not turned his back on you. You might have forgotten who God is, and you may have forgotten who you are, but that doesn't change who he is. God doesn't shape his character by the failure of humankind. He is shaped by his own covenant oath. And have you ever noticed <laughs> he doesn't how do I want to put this? He doesn't wait to be invited into David's life. He, he didn't work in David's life, or it doesn't work in our lives, by how loudly we plead and beg for mercy, right? Oh, God! And then we go into our bargains and, and all these other things. If you'll do this, I'll do that. Look, he, he, he does it because that's the way he is. Now, we're with David in this mess, okay? But when he gets to the wilderness that evening, it says he refreshed himself. Say that with me. He refreshed himself. Okay, hold that. In Psalm 23, it says he restores my soul. So what is that talking about? The word restore means to go back. It actually means to do again, to turn your back on where you are and return to some point where you used to be. Now, wrapped up in the word is a literal disowning of sin and wherever it's brought me to as a result and the renouncing of that, that I'm going back. Did you hear me on that one? It, it, is, it is a disowning of sin and wherever it's brought me to, and it's the renouncing of where I am and saying, I'm going back. Look, if you could translate it, restoring back to where you left, translate as back to where you left the path. Going back to where you left the path. It is literally, friend, reminding me of something I've forgotten. That's what it's doing. It's, it's, it's a call to remember. So, back to where you left your path. And that's where the word restore comes in. In English, the, the, that, that's, I should say that's the English word that we get is restore. The Hebrew word is much more specific. Before the restoring at the path, you turn and you go back. I said it again. Before the restoring at the path, you turn and go back. It, it literally brings into its understanding a refreshing, a renewing, and a repairing. David wrote that in Psalm 23. How? He makes me lie down. He beside the still one. He leads me beside the paths of righteousness for his name. He restores my soul. Wait, what's David saying? He who is my refresher is laying me down beside the still water. How did I get there? 
because he restored my soul. He restored. Look, soul in the Hebrew language sums up all of your life. Soul in the Hebrew sums up all your life. It's, it's, it's the word in Hebrew that is called nephesh. Say that with me. Nephesh. Nephesh is everything. It's your entire life being. The life that you have. It's everything. It includes all my emotions, my sadness, my joy, my dancing, my happiness, my despair. Every emotion is under soul. It also takes in my mind and my imagination. What I think about, how I think, my, my attitude, how I imagine, especially the future. Soul. Nafish. He restores your soul. That is your total person. It's not some spot in you. It's not some area. He restores your soul, your, your total person. You restore everything, God, there is about me. Everything there is about me. Your, your mind, your, your emotions, the way you think of yourself, the way you think of God, the way you think of everything. My soul. Look. We talked about pain earlier, but in real pain, we tend to forget our identity. You're in pain, and you forget the character of God because circumstances, they're just they're, they're crushing the daylights out of you. When, when I forget them, you know, when I forget the characters of God, when I forget who I am, then, then it's like, you know, Come on down, condemnation. Come on down, anxiety. It's just like we're inviting them around. The, the if-onlys take place. If only I'd done this different. If only I had listened over here. If only I had, if only, if only I hadn't made that dumb choice. We forget who he is and who we are wrapped up in darkness. Oh. But he comes into our darkness. He comes in to our darkness. I know people are out and, and, and they go, but I'm a believer. That, that should never happen, right? That must mean I never really was saved or something happened along this line. Or, I, you know, because, you know, it shouldn't happen to me. Really? Anybody that's not happened to? My point, very simply being, is, is that it happens to all of us. We're human. But he comes into our darkness. That's what David was going through as he came over that mountain, down into the wilderness. And that's 2 Samuel 16, 14. They come to that spot, wherever it's at, I'm not sure where it's at, and they were weary, totally exhausted. And they, they, they're hung out to dry is where it's at, after all the anxiety and condemnation, and, all the, and they come to that spot. They're done. They become tired, weary in mind and in emotion. They become tired in their entire nephesh. That's where they meet with restoring. It's, it's understanding. It's a refreshing. You know, I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, transparency. To me, when I sit down in my chair and I press my button and my legs go up and my back goes down and I reach over and I grab my, my 
refreshment. That's just, and it just, it restores me. I feel good all over. And then the sugar coma sets in and I'm sleeping for the rest of the night. But what I'm trying to say here is that's exactly that word. That's where they meet with restoring. And I'll say it again. It's a refreshment that comes when your life matters. It's like the cool wind blows on your face. It's the meaning of the word. That's that's the point. You can't lift another foot. You're exhausted beyond belief. And then all of a sudden, there's this cool breeze that comes on you. That cool breeze, my friend, is the Holy Spirit. It says he refreshed himself. There's only one who refreshes. There's only one cool breeze. David, in that moment, understand, in that moment, it's a moment of remembering, of seeing. He remembers, he sees, and he's taking hold of what is this? And, and I, I say, he says, I refresh myself. I re- the, the, I'm, I'm, I'm refre- restoring my, it's the breeze. I remember who I am. He remembers who he is. And he says, I grab that. All that David had forgotten is suddenly brought into remembrance. Do you see that? I'm forgiven. He's faithful. I see the faithfulness of God. He restores my life, my mind, my emotions, my being, my imagination. He restores you. He turns you from focusing on circumstances. You turn, remembering that he is in the now, N-O-W. He's exactly where we are, in us, where we are. Turning from the distraction. (sighs) That distraction, I don't know if you've ever realized it, it comes with darkness, friend. It comes, that distraction, that distortion that comes with darkness. And he turns us to the light of the face that enlightens our entire being. That's grace, my friend. That's grace. That's grace. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Say it with me. He restores my soul. See it one more time. He restores my soul. He restores my nephesh, my entire being, my entire life. He brings back remembrance of who he is and who I am. I'm no longer a slave of fear. I am a child of God. I might be on the other side of that mountain in the valley and they're coming after me. The adversaries are all around me. They want to destroy me. They want to kill me. They want to take everything. But I refreshed Felt that cool breeze. He restores. <sighs> That's right. You're not hearing it, but they're quoting my mind, my emotions, my imagination, everything I am. The enemy 
is a liar. If you don't know who I am, Pastor, you don't know my problems and my addictions. You don't, you don't know my circumstances or situation. You don't know the choices I made and the things I do. I believe in God, but Lord, in me, I just look at myself and I just know there's no way. Well, yeah, that's called darkness. You forgot who he really is. God is not shaped by the choices you've made, by the wanderings you take. He is who he said he is, and he will do what he said he will do, and it's not conditioned on what you do or don't do. If you stray or wander, I've lost a sheep. No! I've lost my sheep. And I will go out and pursue them and care for them and bring them, turn them back. I will restore mind, body, imagination, emotions. You don't have no more excuses. They've done been used up. You can't say, you, you can't get out of the love of God anymore. You're stuck because that's who he is. You can make an excuse all you want, but you want to know something? Doesn't change who he is. Never has. God's not up there with lightning bolts aiming at you. God's not brought this, this horrible thing on you because, you know, you've been messing up for what? Through all the plans I had for you. God's turned his back on me. I didn't know hope for me. Oh, yeah. Where is that lie coming from? Straight from the pit of hell. That's the whole point. But here, what God is saying, what the Spirit is saying to you this morning, hear what he declares over you. Restore your soul. Refresh your soul, mind, emotions, my being, my imagination. Nefesh. Nefesh. Lord, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts and our lives. I thank you again that you continue to become to us what we need to be. But God, I pray, open our eyes of understanding. Lord, the glimness, the depressedness, the condemnation. There are believers in here that have been literally, they've been left helpless, powerless, They've been left with and, 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 and literally put in a place because the mind, the doubt, the darkness. They've forgotten who you are. They've forgotten who you are. But you are God. Inefesimus. Oh, Holy Spirit in this place this morning. Believers in this place need to hear those words this morning to restore themselves by remembering. It's a call to remember. Holy Spirit, do your work in this place. There are those in this house this morning for whatever reason you've never accepted into your life the risen Lord and Savior Christ. Whatever excuse you've come up with, it's just a, it's a falsehood. You're a 
sheep that's gone off into its own way, own thinking, doing its own thing. But he's not left you alone. Jack, that's why you're here this morning. He's necessary. He's wanting to restore. He's wanting you to come. No matter how you see yourself, understand how he sees you. So if you're in this place this morning and your heart Your heart's responding to that which you feel inside, that pull, that reality, that I need God. Then this morning in this place, I invite you to welcome him into your life. A radical change to come. It's a complete turning around. morning in this place if that's you and you're making that choice I'm going to ask you to do something maybe you've not maybe you think it's crazy but you know there's a struggle inside of you going on there and sometimes it just takes that moment to step over that line that says yes I'm doing it So this morning, if you're in this place and your heart is responding to that relationship with him, would you step over that line this morning and you, would you affirm your heart by simply raising your hand right where you are? No one else is looking around. God bless you, my love. You can put that hand down for others. In this moment, it is probably the hardest decision to make let me tell you, it is like a cool breeze that comes lifting it and loving it. If that's you, would you affirm it? Lord, thank you. Thank you for this fellowship. Thank you for this loving. I know what's happening. Already as I stand here, it happened long before they raised their hand. It happened in a choice that they made, in an understanding you brought, Holy Spirit. And they had been born again. I like to say they've been made alive. But Holy Spirit, something has taken place. They are no longer the same. Behold, the old things have passed away. Now all things, all things have become new. Holy Spirit, I know that you that had begun a good work in them will complete it in Jesus' name. Thank you. going to ask you to stand with me. If you would, please. I'm going to ask before anybody starts moving out, if you'll just wait for me. I'm not going to take long. And you all know I could. But I honestly believe that God had this message delivered for a reason and a purpose. I don't know who you are. Frankly, that's not between me and you. That's between you and God. So if you've been a believer that's gone over the mountains and you've hit the valley and you're spent, you're wiped out. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're at. It's all like you've entered into a, a, a habitual darkness that you've gotten used to, in all honesty. And, and that used to, you've gotten used to forgetting who God is. You've got an image 
you've got, you've got, how do I want to put this, uh, theology or doctrine about it, but you have forgotten who God is in your life. And you've also forgotten who you are. Friend, you've allowed things, things, whether they're physical, emotional, whatever, you've allowed things to wear you down and stop you in your place. Quite frankly, and don't get horrified at me, but I don't care what you're involved in. I don't care what you got going on in your life. I know that God is wanting to turn you around to the path that you left that was joyful, wonderful. Didn't mean it was problemless but it did mean it was powerful. God makes a way when there is no way. He makes a way. He restores us. So, nice message. Good, fine. We walk out of here. Go back to whatever thing we did. Now, please, understand. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with it? What difference is it going to make? I don't know about you, but I believe that God has healing in store for a lot of lives in this place here this morning. Healing in your spirit. Healing in your mind. Healing in your imagination. Healing in your life. sing this song. I'm done. I'm not going to pray. doesn't mean I don't pray. I'm just saying I'm not going to pray now. Guys, I pray for you. Literally, I pray for you. Every day I pray for you. Some of you have even gotten more on my radar list and I pray for you by name every day. That should haunt you. But I pray for you to know that his presence, his heart, his will. That there would be a growth, that there would be an increase, there would be understanding. Every day I pray that for you, except one Sunday where I prepare what I'm going to pray for you instead of pray for you. But what I say is my prayer. So as they sing this song, I want to invite you to come to a place of healing this morning. Nobody's going to ask anything. Nobody's going to do any judging. Nobody's going to, it's, it's not about that. Come on and get healed and let that cool breeze of the Holy Spirit blow over you. Let him make with you this morning as they sing this. You unravel me with a melody. Let's find that place, shall we? And you Let's surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies until all my fears are gone. Thank you.